0: Are you tired of scrolling your feed only to see the highlight reel version of motherhood? If so, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Baird, and I'm a passionate mom here to support women like you in their unique journeys to and through motherhood. I have been through it all. We're going to be talking about things like trying to conceive, infertility, IVF, surrogacy, mom life, and more. It's time to get real about what it takes to be a mom and come together in the fact that things don't always go as planned. So here we go. Hello, it's Jacqueline. Welcome to Motherhood Intended. I hope everyone's having a great week. It's been a little hectic for us. Both of our kiddos are sick with respiratory viruses, so that's been challenging this week, but they're in good care. We are headed in the right direction, so I'm hoping by the weekend or next week everyone is back in good health. I had to point out that in episode five, I mentioned really wanting snow because I really want my kids to be able to play in the snow and they get so bored and there's nothing to do outside in the cold. Well, guys, it worked. (laughs) I put it out in the universe and it snowed. And there's more snow in the forecast this week, I believe. So Now I just need my kids to not be sick so they can go outside and enjoy it. But it was kind of funny. The amount of messages I received of people who listened to the last episode and mentioned that I got what I wanted with the snow um, was pretty funny. And by the tone, I'm guessing not as many people wanted snow as I did. (laughs) Um, But a couple months ago, I had the pleasure of talking with Elena, who is a mom that I met through a local support group for pregnancy and infant loss. So Elena will be sharing her journey to motherhood on today's episode. So take a listen. Hi, Elena, and welcome to the Motherhood Intended podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm
1: very excited to be here and being able to share our story and just get to talk about my son, Leo, and what we've kind of gone through and what we've accomplished going forward after we lost him.
0: You guys have been through a lot and I'm so excited to hear about how you've changed that into a positive thing in your life to honor Leo. So let's go to the beginning. Have you always known that you wanted to be a mom?
1: Always. I'm also a kindergarten teacher, so oh, okay. I just always being around kids. Both my parents were teachers. So I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. And then that kind of transpired into being a mom as well. And I knew my husband always wanted to be a dad
0: too. Yeah. That's awesome. Tell us about your pregnancy and how your journey to motherhood started.
1: So luckily we were able to get pregnant pretty easily. My period was late one day and well, we were tracking it and everything. And then we're like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's just take a test. We're not going to get our hopes up or anything. And it came out positive. And we actually didn't tell our parents right away, which my mom's like, I can't believe you didn't tell us. And we wanted to tell everybody together, like both both sets of parents together. So we made a sign that said uh, promoted from dog grandparents to real grandparents coming spring 2021. And uh my in-laws were building a house and both sets of parents came with and we showed, we've like framed it and everything and showed on that picture. And they were so excited oh for gosh. it because it's the first grandchild on both sides. Yeah. Overall, the pregnancy was really good. Just a little bit, of nauseousness, not really getting sick at all, but just kind of nauseous and everything was going smooth. And then we found out we were having a boy. We did a gender reveal party where we used a hockey puck and the oh, husband was able to shoot the hockey puck. That's and awesome. then we found out we were having a boy. So everybody was very excited for that. Um so leading up to finding out that we had lost him, we had traveled down to Dallas. To visit some family friends, and two days prior to that, I kind of felt a little less movement, and but I could still get him to move and everything. But then that day that we flew down to Dallas and everything, I didn't feel him at all. So we um, reached out to a close friend of my husband Nick and I, and uh, she was a labor and delivery nurse, so we knew we could reach out to her and see what her thoughts were. So she said, well, drink something sugary, lay on your left side, see if that works. And it didn't. So then she said, okay, call the doctor. So I did that. And they suggested to go to the hospital in Dallas. So I went to the hospital. And at first they were having a hard time finding the heartbeat on the Doppler. And she's like, don't worry. Like sometimes that can happen. And we've had that happen before where the, it took the doctor a couple minutes to find his heartbeat. Yeah. Just based on where he was laying. And so they had the doctor come in. And that, you know, you hear the worst news ever. I'm so sorry. There's no heartbeat. And we just kind of lost it. I mean, we were in a different state. We weren't like, we had plans to go visit family friends that we haven't seen in a long time. And um, so that was, that was challenging, but we called the on-call doctor back here again. And she said, as long as they clear you to leave, you can come home Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to deliver there. Uh, so everything what checked out, my blood pressure was good, good service was still closed and everything. So we were able to travel back home and I got in contact with my regular doctor and he said, Oh, you could like sleep at home tonight. I said, no, we would rather come in. You're on call tonight. Yeah. So we'd rather go in and have you verify everything. Um, so that was a hard flight home Wow, because just knowing that. He was no longer with us. So it was really challenging. Wow.
0: I can't even imagine that. That's terrible. Yeah. We
1: didn't even, and we didn't even get to see our family friends too. Yeah. That we went down there to see. We turned around and came back home right away. Or well, the next morning we, we were able to find a flight. Cause that was at like 11 PM.
0: Yeah. So we yeah. Went to the hospital. Oh my goodness. I, wow. That must've been the longest night ever.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, I feel like we barely slept, but yeah. We didn't really have a choice at that time. so Yeah.
0: So how far along were you when you Um, went to go to Dallas?
1: So when we flew out, I was exactly 27 weeks. Okay. So it was like, okay, yay, we hit 12 weeks. Okay, yes, we hit 16 weeks. Right. All right, we hit 20 weeks. We hit the anatomy scan. Everything looked great. Okay, now we hit 24 weeks. We hit viability. Mm -hmm. This is exciting. If something happens, like we're delivering at a high NICU hospital. Right. And then you just never know when, if something bad's going to happen and we weren't expecting it. And I always kind of had that mindset from the beginning of what if something happens? So I kind of always had that mindset going forward from the very beginning, but then you just don't expect it. You don't expect it to happen to you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Why do you think you had that feeling? Like you always were kind of had that in the back of your mind. I'm just surprised. Cause as like a first time you know, first time mom, first time being pregnant. So many people I know, like myself, like you just kind of go into it ignorant thinking like, oh, I got pregnant. Like I know everyone talks about the 12 week mark and then you assume everything's fine. But this hearing you say that obviously you knew about like viability and all this. And I came to know that my oldest son was born at 24 weeks. And so I became very aware of the milestones after that. But I think my first pregnancy, I was just very like, oh, once it's 12 weeks, it's the magic number you share with the world and everything's going to be fine. Um, well, I
1: think because my cousin, she's a NICU nurse, um, oh, okay. one of my teammates, I was a figure skater growing up in college. I was a synchronized skater okay. and one of my teammates, she had a stillbirth at 24 weeks and she um, shared her story all the time. Yeah. And she shared her experience that she had with her daughter, Madison. And that kind of helped because you, it, she shared that it does happen. Yeah, And a lot of people don't share that it happens Yeah. now, more now, I, I feel like more people are sharing it, but that, and that's what my husband, Nick and I want to be, we want to be able to be that voice. We want to be able to share our story and know that it is okay. And things do happen and it, it's going to be tough, but you can get through it. And I think that's what my teammate, she did And I think that really helped me as well. But seeing that and knowing that something can happen, you kind of always have that in the back of your head. Like, yeah, we can get through this if something bad does happen. And so something could happen because you don't know. Right. You don't know if you can get pregnant to begin with, too. Right. And so that that is hard. So that I think that's why it's always in the back of my mind, too, because it does happen to people. It happens to random people. It happens to your friends, your family, strangers. So that was always kind of in the back of my mind.
0: Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I feel like even as I shared my own story, then more and more people like we're coming out of the woodwork with like similar stories. And it's so comforting to know that this happens. So I'm so glad that you guys are, you know, opening up and talking about it because it will, it will help other people not feel alone. And obviously while there's like nothing you can do in these situations, just knowing that like not every pregnancy does end with a happy ending and you'll be okay. There are other people who have had to navigate this. You will not be alone. So yeah, I think it's super important. That's why I'm so happy to talk to you today. And I'm happy that you guys are sharing your story. So I know you mentioned that you kind of felt like something was off and you said your pregnancy was, you know, pretty normal. Where was your mind at at that point when you were like, I don't like were you thinking the worst or were you just like wanting to see a doctor kind of like, where was your mind
1: it brings parenting to life.
0: We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. At that
1: Kind of deep down, I think I knew something. Like when that Thursday, so it was on a Thursday. That Thursday, I didn't feel them at all. Sometimes you feel them a little bit and then... And he'd might like rest for a little while. And then you would, I'd eat something and then he'd be a little bit more active. I didn't feel that at all. Deep down, I kind of knew something was wrong. And my parents were in Dallas with us too. And they're like, Oh, like you're, there's nothing wrong. Like you're fine. Mm -hmm. No, I feel like there's something wrong. So.
0: Yeah. That definitely brings up a good point. I feel like as the woman, as the mom, you know, you know, deep down when something's fine, when it's right. I mean, obviously we all have our do- our doubts and our scares, especially through pregnancy, but it's easy for other people to be like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I know I've had plenty of family members and friends do the same and it's, I don't know, it, you could always trust your gut. Like you just know when it's not right. Um, right. So after, so you were in the hospital in Dallas when- they gave you the unfortunate news that there was no heartbeat. Is that right? Um, yep. man. And so the, they cleared to travel home. I mean, what were your thoughts about that? Cause I, I can't even imagine having to travel home. Just, I mean, right. I'm happy so, you had support. You said your husband was there and your parents, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, then my little brother and his wife were there as well. We all got an Airbnb together and it, it was, it was really hard. We kind of shut down at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that travel back home was like all these people around us are so happy. And then they don't know like what we're going through right now. And like my husband, he just like slept the whole plane ride home. We're just kind of quiet. We weren't talking to anybody. We were just trying not to cry the whole time. And it was, it was very hard and we didn't even come back to our house. We went to my in-laws right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we showered there, we hung out there until I. six 30 ish. And then we headed to the hospital out here Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: we just wanted that comfort of being home and being in the hospital that like we were supposed to deliver at and everything where family and friends could be if we needed them. And so that was nice to be able to travel home. I think it would have been a lot harder if we weren't able to travel home.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that. That's so awesome that you had your family here. I can only imagine. I just know, and I obviously can't relate to this specific situation, but I know for myself, like when you're going through something that traumatic, like you're almost like you're almost on autopilot, like your body's there, but you're just like a zombie going through this experience. And I think it's like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I can only assume it's some sort of like defense mechanism to protect yourself just to like get through the experience. So after your delivery, Maybe talk about that. How did you get answers? What did the doctor say? What were the days following that?
1: So we had the best experience for the worst case scenario. So our friend that we were talking with, like when we were in Dallas, she had switched jobs. So she was no longer labor and delivery nurse there, but she texted one of her friends and said, you need to take this room. We had the best care from nursing staff that we could have ever asked for. We got so many mementos for him. Um, the two of the nurses stayed an hour and 45 minutes after their sh- 12 hour shift Wow! to take a photo shoot for us because the one nurse wasn't happy with the pictures that we had mm-hmm. gotten. And then we did like a hand casted mold. Um, the chaplain was absolutely phenomenal. We were able to get him blessed by the priest that was from the church that we actually got married at. Oh, wow. And like I said, the best experience for the worst case scenario, Yeah. um, so going into the hospital, my regular d- doctor was on call that night. So he was able to check us in, pull up the ultrasound and everything. So that was comforting having him there that night. They run through all of their labs. And then, so I got there about seven ish. And then by nine, they started the cervix softening medication. Mm-hmm. And then the next day um, they switched doctors and the doctor who delivered me was my doctor's like closer partner. and. So he checked me at 1040. I was one centimeter dilated. He broke my water. And then so contractions started pretty heavy then. So I was like, okay, like this is a little bit too much. Let's get an mm-hmm. epidural. So the nurse went and got the anesthesiologist. He had to finish up another room and then he was gonna come into our room. And so the anesthesiologist was actually in the room. I was sitting on the peanut ball. And mm-hmm. you just get that urge, like you have a little TMI, but you have yeah. to poop,
0: right? So yeah.
1: I told the nurse that, and she's like, "Oh, let me check you." So she checked me, and he was ready to come. Oh okay. wow! So anesthesiologist ended up leaving, and then they changed over the room so fast to deliver. Yeah. Because I that was ten forty. That time was noon. I delivered Leo oh, wow. at noon. Okay. So we went from my water breaking at ten forty to him being born at exactly noon. And then the doctor kind of looked through his cord, he noticed that the cord had what he called strictures to it. And part of the cord just didn't look right. It ended up being hypercoiled, So too many coils, and then path came back with that it had some clotting in it. But I guess that tends to happen after like you die. Okay. And then I had a vascular malperfusion of the in the placenta and the high risk doctor said, is it is it the chicken or the egg? We don't know which one right. came first. Was it because of the cord or was it because of the vascular malperfusion, which I don't remember exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was because of that, that we lost. And he, it just eventually cut off the blood flow to him. And he, I mean, he looked perfect. I think we had caught it like not in time, but where he wasn't like decaying or anything like right. that. So I mean he, he was perfect. He was fifteen inches, uh 15.75 inches long. So he was pretty mm-hmm. long for 27 weeks. Yeah. He was two pounds five ounces when he was born. So it was oh. good pretty good size. He he was just perfect. And we were able to take so many pictures with him.
0: Oh, I'm uh, so glad.
1: Recovery was really good said, so the chaplain was amazing. She did a baptism for him and we got to know her. She checked in with us a lot. And then the nurse did like a photo shoot with the stuff from the chaplain. They changed his outfit a couple of times. And the hospital gave us like a memory box that had um, like a bracelet in it for him that said his name on it that they mm-hmm. made. The nurses made a hockey puck that had his, fe- his feet prints on it. Aww. My husband's a hockey coach. So, okay. Proposed to me on the ice and everything. Oh, so
0: that's skating aw. and
1: hockey is kind of like our thing. I the- assumed
0: I- hockey had a had a big place in your heart for you guys. Because when you said with the gender reveal, that was that was awesome.
1: Yeah. So we we got just a lot of things from the hospital that we have on display right now, and they hooked us up with a phenomenal funeral home. The funeral director was amazing. He really cared for us and. We know that he took great care of Leo and, um, cause that, that, that's always hard when you have to leave, yeah. but my doctor said, stay through the weekend. I know this is a tough time, stay through the weekend, then like you can go home on Monday. So I had him on Saturday, January 22nd, and we got to spend two full days with him because of a cuddle cat because the awesome. cuddle cot was able to keep him cold. Right. And we were able to have some of our family come in. Some of our close friends were able to come too. We FaceTimed with everybody that wanted to FaceTime with us. So we we decided from the beginning that we wanted to take that time to enjoy it and not be sad. Because we didn't want that sadness to overpower us enjoying that time that we had with Leo. We are like, we have plenty of time after this. Right. to be sad. I mean, we still had our moments, of course, sure. but we didn't do well in that sadness. We shared him. We loved on him. We took lots of pictures with him. So now we have all those memories
0: yeah that's with a, him. That's a really powerful place to be in. I'm just so impressed that you were able to to recognize that because it's true. It's like you said, you, you do, you have the rest of your life to grieve in whatever way feels right to you, but you have those days Yeah, to love on him and to cherish those moments. And I'm so happy you got all those photos and everything and that your family was able to be with him. Like you said, that was a really good way to put it kind of the best people and the best care in the worst possible situation. So that's, yeah, that is so great. So you mentioned the cuddle cot. So talk a little bit more about that. Cause I know there's a lot of listeners who probably don't even know what that is. I unfortunately didn't yeah. really know what it was either until I was in that position, but I know it's not at every hospital it's needed. So yeah, talk a little bit about the cuddle cots.
1: So um, going back to that teammate that I had who had a stillbirth, I knew what a cuddle cot was because of her, because she shared her story, because she raised money for a cuddle cot for one of the hospitals near her. While we were even at the hospital, we're like, we kind of want to do some good from something so bad. So my father-in-law, he's a lawyer and owns his own law firm. So he set up a nonprofit charity six days later after I had Leo. Wow. So we have the Loving Leo Joseph Foundation and we have raised a good amount of money so far. And what we want to do with these funds is provide the hospitals in our area or even beyond our area these cuddle cuts that the hospitals don't have them. And so what a cuddle cot is it's a mat that has some tubing to it and then it hangs that they've just put regular water in the machine cools the water and pumps it through these coils in this mat that the baby lays on and what it does is it preserves the baby from decaying really fast or you would only have, have like 4 hours with them so like if he started to feel warm we were able to put him back on the in the bassinet they had the cuddle cot pad on it and we were able to spend two full days with him. And unfortunately, there are some people who don't get that opportunity to do that. So we wanted to be able to raise money for Cuddle Cots in order for other families to have that time with their babies that left too soon, like we did with Leo. And the machine that we used actually had a nameplate on it as well of who donated it.
0: Oh, wow. So we want to be
1: able to do that as well for the other hospitals we actually got our first cuddle cot in we presented it to the hospital um november 1st and they it took us some time to set up the meeting just based on all of our schedules so they unfortunately had used it twice and Mm -hmm. they had received it before we presented it to them because had ordered right to the hospital and they are so incredibly thankful for it um what we did is The one that we had at our hospital didn't come with the bassinet. We just used the regular labor and delivery bassinet that all the babies go into. Okay. This one comes with its very own bassinet. And what it does is it has some holes in the bottom of it for the tubing to go through. And then the machine just sits underneath it. So that way the machine's not really visible. Right. It's white. It makes it more comforting. Yeah, And that you're, it's a little bit separate than the regular, like, oh my, this should be a living baby right now in this
0: mm-hmm.
1: labor and delivery bassinet. Whereas this one is meant for the cuddle cot. So we, ha- we got that ordered. We got it delivered. It act, there's actually only one company that makes these cuddle cot machines and it's in the United Kingdom.
0: Oh, wow. So I didn't realize that there. Whoa. So it
1: is, uh, my mother-in-law, she t- kind of takes charge of talking with the hospital. So we put together a board for our loving Leo Joseph foundation. Mm -hmm. So my husband is president. I'm vice president, my father-in-law's treasurer, and then my mother-in-law and then both of my parents are on the board as well. So it's kind of like a family thing that we do between, between us all. So we divide and conquer tasks. And, um, so she was able to contact them and then she actually called the Manufacturer of the cuddle cot company and was able to talk to him about it, and he Whoa. said that it's just now starting to become bigger in the United States.
0: Wow, that is so crazy. I had, I really had no idea that it was wasn't even being made in the U.S. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah so um, it to,
1: it's made over in the United Kingdom, and then they ship it out to the hospital.
0: That's awesome. As you were talking and describing these cuddlecots, it's funny because I feel like until you're in that situation, you don't really realize, A, that that's a thing and that it's available and the magnitude it has on your experience and what it can do for you in those days at the hospital following your loss. And the little things matter too. Like how you said with the bassinet, it's not the typical bassinet that your baby should have been in. And I think that makes such a big difference because I don't know about you, but with my losses, things that normally probably would be, I wouldn't even notice or wouldn't be that big of a deal really were amplified during such a hard time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like I even heard another mom in, in labor. I wish that all the hospitals had a separate bereavement room, mm-hmm. which I know at a couple of the hospitals around here, like one, they're going to start creating a bereavement room. And then the hospital that we just donate the cuddle cot at, they want to do a separate room that's kind of, it's in the wing, but it's like very separate and more secluded that they want to use that as a bereavement room. So we told the director and the nurses that we would love to help them with that. If there's anything that we can do to give them ideas, things that benefited us to benefit other people, we would love to help them.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I mean, it is It's so triggering. And when you're on this floor, you know, this mother baby floor, you're hearing all these like happy talks and babies crying. It's hard being on that floor and not getting the outcome that you had expected. I know for me, like the sound, like the little chime that happened at our hospital when a baby was born is still so triggering. And I have living children and I, I mean, I think it's, it's very similar to like on the iPhone when you can set like your bedtime or something. And I'm like, I heard it the other day and I'm like, nope, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. And luckily like we stayed on labor and delivery. We stayed in the same room. We didn't oh, good. change rooms at all, which I yeah. think helped. So we didn't get the, that commotion at all. Like I didn't leave the room until we left that Monday.
0: Yeah. That's good. It's funny. The little things I remember normally I'd just be like, Oh, like that's like, for example, like how you said, you got like the boxes and like all these little different things for Leo, a bracelet and everything. I experienced that too. And it was, oh my gosh, it was so comforting to have these things and just acknowledge life and memories and everything. And I remember I got this certificate of life um, for one of my daughters and her name was spelled wrong. And I normally I would just be like, oh, you know what? It's actually with an E not an I or whatever, but oh, it felt so crushing just to have to be like, that's not right. (laughs) And it is, everything's amplified. And anyone who gets to this point and has to, unfortunately, you know, navigate a situation like this, you don't know until you're in it. So I think it's so important for you and for everyone who's been through a loss like this to have people speaking out and supporting those who, you know, aren't even there yet, but could be one day, because I mean, these cuddle cots, that is just so awesome. And you guys put together everything so fast. I love that. It's a family effort I mean, it hasn't even been a year and you've already been able to award one hospital with this cuddle cot and set everything up and get it going. And that's just, it's truly awesome.
1: So we were actually having a hard time finding hospitals that would respond and know they're really busy and stuff. Yeah. We were having a hard time finding hospitals to respond. And luckily this one responded to us. And when we presented it, we were the lady who kind of organized our meeting and everything. We told them, we said, if any other hospital in your group needs a cuddle cot, please let us know. So she reached out to the group and four of the hospitals actually need one.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So
1: And that's just that, that group that's yeah. not, that doesn't even include all the other groups. So that's something that we want to continue to raise funds for. So we can provide all of those hospitals with the cuddle cuts. We also have, my mom is making hat, like knit hats. Aww. She yeah. took the size that we had for Leo and kind of made some a little bit smaller made some bigger so we're gonna donate the hats as like with the cuddle cots and then Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of people knit blankets or make fleece blankets that could go lay on top of the the cuddle cot pad yeah so that way they can take that home as a memento as well and we like add our loving leo joseph foundation tag to it we have our email on there just so that way if anybody who has experienced the same thing need some support, they can always reach out to us. Like I said, we are always willing to share our story. We're willing to share what we went through and what helped us kind of get through those moments.
0: Wow. That is amazing. And all of those things are so important. I, um, with my daughters were given the same thing. I still have, I have a hope test full of like all these mementos for them. And just knowing that like, this was the hat that they wore, this was the blanket they held, you know, things like that. It means so much. So that's so awesome that you guys are doing that as well. Is there anything else that we didn't cover or that you'd like to mention about the foundation?
1: We just continuing to raise funds to provide as many color as we can to spread our name around. One thing that was really cool, one of my good friends got married and I stood up in her wedding. And one thing that she did, instead of clinking of the glasses, they did a donate to the charity if you wanted the bride and groom to or you could ask the bride and groom a question. So what they did Uh. is they chose a charity. So they chose the Loving Leo charity. And my husband, Nick, talked about the charity and then the groom talked about it and why they chose our charity. And so the DJ played some music He gave each table some time to Mm -hmm. make their donation. And then there was a note card at each table. So then each table decided, did they want the bride and groom to kiss or did they want to ask them a question?
0: Uh And so they,
1: once they were done donating, like individuals at the table donating, they took their index card up to the DJ and the DJ read the question or said like how they should kiss
0: oh my gosh so I it was love that so
1: cool to experience that and we were able to make a decent amount of money for our charity for it
0: that is such that's a great idea different yeah that is different I've never heard of that before and wow what a great way I mean you're already in a room of people who love you and you know to to support something like that that is a great idea I love that that's awesome I've never seen that before Yeah.
1: Um, I hadn't either until she, she's like, so can we use loving Leo as our charity? It was like, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So were people just, was it like donations through an app or something or how to, yeah,
1: it's through our loving Leo, Joseph foundation.org website and we have a PayPal account set up. We also accept cash or check as well. And it all gets deposited into our foundation and then we use that for, to go towards those
0: cats. Okay. Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, for all our listeners who have resonated with this story or just want to support this, I think it's so great. You heard it. It was lovingleojoseph.org. And I will have the link in the show notes too. It'll be much easier just to click it, but lovingleojoseph.org is where you can donate to this initiative, which I think is just absolutely awesome. So after you've created this foundation, it's such a great way to to honor Leo and to help others, where does your story take you from there?
1: So after that, we met with a regular doctor for our, like a postpartum appointment. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, let's set up a MFM appointment, the maternal fetal medicine appointment, and we'll see what they say. We'll get like the autopsy sent over and everything and have them review it. And so when we got to the high risk doctor, they said, okay, just wait three months and then you can start trying again. Thankfully we got pregnant right away on that first try. I think that would have been a lot harder on us if we didn't get pregnant right away. Yeah. But I know a lot of people, it does take a lot of time. So I, I feel for those parents who are going through that. Uh, but we saw a lot of signs signs with this pregnancy at the very beginning like after we started trying we saw like double rainbows like i would be thinking to leo hey leo like show me a sign you're here show me a sign that things are going to be okay and i looked outside and there's a rainbow
0: oh, that's we amazing. found
1: out we were pregnant pretty early on we're like let's just test if it's negative we'll test again in a couple of days yeah and so we tested nine days post ovulation and it came out positive oh. And that happened to be mother's day.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) This year. So we FaceTimed our our parents right away this time because we figured, so we shared with our close family and friends like right away because they have been there from the very beginning with Leo. So if something happened, we knew we could count on them to be there for us. Again, we didn't post it publicly on like social media until like 14 weeks, but our, all of our close family and friends knew right away. And so when we FaceTime my mother and father in law, my mother in law goes, you know, what's crazy is we found out we were pregnant with Nick on Mother's Day.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
1: But what's even crazier is that my father in law's dad was in Vegas with his wife at that time. They told him my parents were in Vegas when we called and told them Uh. about (sighs) that we were pregnant with this time. So it was like just all those little things Whoa. were adding up. So my yeah. due date is the day before we found out about Leo.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is wild. That's, those are so, signs for sure. Yeah,
1: we took that as all the signs from Leo that he's here with us. He's he's looking over this baby, even though there's times where you just kind of are like panicked. Yeah. Like, is everything okay? Like, okay, she's not moving as much today. Yeah. Because I have an anterior placenta too, so that okay, yeah, that made things even more stressful this time around. Because I didn't consistently start feeling her bigger movements and in a routine, yeah, until like a week ago.
0: Ugh, that is so that, that was can always be, really stressful. yeah, that is so stressful. I had actually with both of my boys, I had an anterior placenta, and um, I didn't really know anything otherwise. But yeah, I can I. I Yeah. It makes it harder. It just takes longer. Right. So like you have to be farther along. So you said a week ago you started feeling her and how far along are you now?
1: So I'm 30 weeks now. So it was like 28, 29 weeks where I felt more consistent movement. So like she more, like she had more of a pattern because now that she's bigger, her feet, I feel mostly her feet up at the top towards my rib cage. Okay. Because just that's just because the placenta is just in front of her. Sometimes I'll feel things more internal But then like my husband sometimes can't feel her as much. I'm like, oh, did you feel that? And then she becomes shy and (laughs) just puts his hand on my belly. She stops moving.
0: Oh my gosh. So for those who don't know, an interior placenta, and if I'm describing this wrong, please correct me. But it's like the placenta is right up against like your stomach wall as opposed to the other side, right? So it's kind of like a barrier between like where the, you might normally feel the baby and...
1: Right. So posterior is in the back towards the placenta is in the back towards your spine. And then anterior is in the front, more like closer to your like abdomen, your belly versus behind. So it's in front of the baby instead of being behind the
0: baby. Right. Right. Okay. I'm sure when you started feeling her kick, I know, like, I guess anyone who hasn't, doesn't have the same journey as you might be like, oh my gosh, the baby's like in my ribs, I'm feeling the baby kick. I can only imagine you just absolutely loved those kicks to the rib.
1: <laughs> oh, I still, still do. Like even,
0: yes. like,
1: even now, so I'm now three weeks further along than I was right. with Leo and I, uh, yes, I'm tired. Yes. I'm winded. Yes. I, my belly's getting big, but it's like, I live for those moments because yes. I didn't make it this far last time. Right. So being able to still feel her and like still living in that moment. Like, I, I just live for that because yes. even though I'm uncomfortable when I sleep, am I getting as much sleep? No, because I'm uncomfortable, but am I going to fully complain about it? No, because I didn't make it this far last time.
0: Right. There's like a whole nother hard. level of, of like, gratefulness for all these moments.
1: Yeah. Yes. And a lot of people are like, oh, I just don't like being pregnant. I can't wait for this baby to get out. I was like, no, stay in as long as you can keep yes. growing, keep kicking. Let me continue to feel you.
0: Yeah. Like, that phrase is I, definitely always a little triggering for me. And obviously no one is in the wrong and saying that everyone has their own experiences correct. and everything is relative, but yeah, it always got me a little bit when I was like, no, like I, or even when people would say like, Oh, I can't wait to meet him and stuff. And like, obviously they're just meaning well, but I'm like, well, I can yeah. wait. I can actually wait because I don't want anyone showing up too soon. Yeah. It's just a different mindset for sure.
1: But it, and it's still what's hard. My mom's like, you can't think this way. It's like, but I can't not not think this way. Like Mm -hmm. what if something happens? Like if, if she she makes it here, like I still always have that mindset, which is, it's hard, but after a loss, like even my husband said, he thinks the same way too, Mm -hmm. that it's those what ifs, because we have experienced that. and it will always be in the back of our mind. And and we tell that to the doctor too. And he's like, yeah, I, I understand it's hard, but we'll have more monitoring. So I've been seeing the, I've seen the high risk doctor three times since I got pregnant. And then okay. I see him on Thursday again. So we'll go, yeah. we'll see, we were starting to see him every four weeks for growth scans. And then after that, we'll see what he wants to do. But now mm-hmm. that I hit, 30 weeks. I had an appointment this past Tuesday with my regular OB. And he said, okay, so next week you have your high risk doctor's appointment. The week after that, let's start weekly non-stress tests Mm -hmm. and weekly appointments. He's like, usually we don't really start that until a little bit later on, but we can start it now. You'll be close enough to 32 weeks for the non-stress test. Cause I'll be 31 and five when I do my first stress test. Okay. And so I have that all scheduled out to January 10th. And it's like, oh, let's let's make it to January 10th for that last non-stress test. And then yeah. they they want to induce me at 39 weeks. Okay. Just because the placenta starts to not function as well. Yeah. The later that you get. So he as of now they want to induce me at 39 weeks. Okay.
0: It's all the milestones, right? It's like obviously you can't really changed the course of the pregnancy, but I know it helped me being like, okay, I just got to get to this next appointment or I got to do this and that. And it really just, it helps because yeah, I mean, pregnancy after loss, unfortunately is no joke. You're forever tainted from your experience. And it's hard to believe that this could ever turn out the way you want it to until like the baby's actually in your hands. It's just hard to fathom for sure.
1: Right. And we always say, you know, we are excited after each appointment we live Mm -hmm. in each and every day yep we're not looking so far ahead it's every day okay she's moving today okay we're we're good today right this very minute yeah we're okay and it's like if you ever feel in doubt if you ever feel something is off they always say go get checked go to labor and delivery contact oh, yeah. your OB's office, send them a message. My dash is like, if you need to come in just to our office, you can like come in. Like if you yeah. feel something is wrong, if you don't feel as much movement and it's going to help you feel better, he said, always go in.
0: Absolutely. I was told the same thing and I definitely took advantage of that. I mean, I'm sure they got sick of seeing me, but we talked about this before. Like you just know it in your gut when something isn't right. And every time I have been seen, like, something needed to be addressed. I wasn't wrong. I just knew that something was off. And so that's awesome that doctors are so open and supportive like that because it is, it's a hard journey being pregnant after a loss. But like you said, I mean, I, I learned this after my first loss and I was pregnant with my oldest son. You know, I learned to enjoy every moment of the pregnancy. And as far as we got, cause I was so afraid that if the pregnancy were to end, like what, that's all those, that's my memories of my baby and my child is like the moments I shared in that pregnancy. So it takes on a different meaning. You don't want to wish it away. And you really are very in tune with how you're feeling and just every step of the way. And while it's, it can be hard with all the worry, I think finding joy in the process and the pregnancy helps, right? Because it's like, this is the one thing that I was told that that did help was that every pregnancy is different. Because again, you just assume that like something is going to go wrong the same as it did last time. And it's just every pregnancy is, is different. It's true. Um, even for, even for, um, you know, babies born full term, um, you know, living children, they, every, every mom has a different pregnancy with their, all their kids. So it's just, it applies to everything.
1: Yeah. Even this pregnancy is a little bit different than Leo. Like it wasn't as nauseous in the beginning as it was with Leo. Um, and I feel like I'm carrying her just a little bit different Mm -hmm. and, you know, my mother-in-law goes, "I've never," and my father-in-law goes, "I've never seen a more happy pregnant person than you are." Uh,
0: even, even with this,
1: <laughs> even with this second pregnancy after a loss, they say, "I've never seen somebody who's as happy and who enjoys being pregnant so much." It's like, you know, I honestly, I really do enjoy being pregnant. It is yeah. so cool. There, I mean, there's a human that is right being grown inside of me right now. It is is so, to me, it's so fascinating and I I just, I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And even with Leo's pregnancy until that moment, I mean, you said your pregnancy was great, right? You felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Nauseous at the very beginning, no appetite at the very beginning. But after that, I mean, it was even, even with that, I mean, I still love. Yeah, of course.
0: That's to be expected, right? So with this pregnancy, with your anatomy scan, or was anything, I know you're being monitored more, which is I'm sure reassuring for you and obviously proactive and everything. With your like 20 week anatomy scan, was anything different with that? I'm only asking, cause I just, I'm trying to remember. I went to MFM for my scan and it was like a level two scan, but I don't know if that was just specific to so, my situation or
1: no I did the same exact thing so okay. I have actually my doctor at his office he has like an older school ultrasound so he's done that for the dating scan and then one other time he pulled up the machine but besides that everything else for ultrasound wise has been with the MFM because my regular doctor said that they the MFM is the ultrasound gurus they they mm-hmm study ultrasounds in and out that is their specialty and it it's so cool they can flip it to 3d like just right there on their machine whereas the regular OB office they don't do that so they have like the the more the top of the line type of technology and it's awesome so i have experienced the same thing with being with mfm yeah because of that law after that loss with leo they want to do closer monitoring and the MFM would be more able to find something wrong. If right. it was wrong.
0: Yeah. Not only with just the technology they have, but yeah, they're just so skilled in that. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Cause they, cause we were talking with MFM and he said that he like was a regular OB and then he progressed further to become that MFM. So he has that OB background, but then he has that specialty with it as well.
0: Yeah. So with this pregnancy, obviously we talked about physically, you're feeling great and you're being monitored, which is awesome. You're feeling her kick now, which is great. Mentally and emotionally, how has a pregnancy after loss been? I mean, are your are you? I don't even know how to ask it. I mean, because it sounds silly. Are you mostly in a good mood? Are there like worry thoughts that creep in?
1: There's always the worry thought every day. There's the worry thought. Like even this morning, it's like, oh, she hasn't moved yet since I've woken up. Now that I've been sitting here, she has. But yeah. like, some days, mostly lately, she will start moving. Like right when I wake up, if I roll over to one side, she'll kick just a little bit. So the, all, it's always those thoughts that go through my head. Like a couple of weeks ago, it was like almost like a panic, like almost had a, an anxiety attack because I hadn't felt her really move. And that was like 530 in the morning. It wasn't even my day had gotten started yet. Yeah. And it was like a panic. But I mean, she's been moving a lot since then. Yeah. And it's just those thoughts where even the doctor said that they, the babies will have more active days than other days. Other days they'll be a little bit more quiet. He said, that is normal. It's like, it makes me panic though. Yeah. It it gives me so much anxiety, but then like, she'll start moving and stuff and you're like, okay, we're good right now. But if there's anything that really changes in their Patterns. That's when you really need to go get checked out. So, thankfully, we haven't gotten to that point yet. But it's always in the back of my mind. Like I had a weird, like pulsation feeling the other day, and I had asked the doctor at my appointment this past Tuesday, and he's like, "Oh, your placenta it beats like a heart too, because of the blood flow pumping through. It oh, could have been that. it could have yeah. been a muscle spasm in my stomach. Like, could have been anything like that. I'd reached out to a, our friend that." was labor and delivery nurse and is now MFM nurse. Um, and she was like, I don't see any concern with that. Like it, as long as she's still moving, cause we're like, okay, do we go to the hospital, get checked out? Yeah. But then it stopped. So then it was fine. I think it was just a muscle spasm, but it's always in the back of our mind. Like is something wrong? Yeah. Every of every day, there's not a time that it, I'm not worried about something, which is hard. Yeah. But I, and whenever somebody's like, oh, I'm excited. It's like, I'm very excited, but I'm also very nervous at the same time.
0: Yeah. I remember the phrase always feeling like cautiously optimistic or like cautiously excited. You know, you're so excited and you want to be positive and everything, but it's hard to help those feelings. It hasn't been that long ago. And also I don't even think it matters. I think if like you have a loss and you don't get pregnant for five more years, it is still, it comes flooding back to you, all those feelings. Um, yeah, it's. It's a lot. And of course, of course you're excited, right? But there's a lot of different feelings and I've learned along the way and I'm sure you have too, but you're allowed to feel both things. Like you can feel sad for Leo, excited for your pregnancy and your next baby. You can feel nervous, but also happy and positive. You know, it's learning to accept all the feelings.
1: Right. And then the other thing that's really hard at times, but I've learned how to kind of go about it or being pregnant a lot of people are like oh is this your first pregnancy is this your mm-hmm. first baby it's like okay well how do you answer that because right. no it's not because i have leo Leo's just not earth side with us mm-hmm. so i always go like i actually just experienced this a couple weeks ago with another teacher at school yeah she's a new teacher so she doesn't fully know our story and stuff mm-hmm. and she's like oh like they always get that same kind of expression like, a "Oh yeah. man, I shouldn't have said something like, yeah, is this, this going to be uncomfortable? Because I always say, well, no, like I unfortunately had a loss in January when they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, we love talking about it. Yeah. We love sharing our story about Leo. I know there are some people who don't like sharing it about it because it does bring up bad memories and those emotions back. But for yeah. us personally, talking about him has helped us heal so much.
0: Absolutely. I can relate to that. I, I didn't always feel that way. I had the same things happen to me, you know, like, um, yeah, the, the question of, is this your first or even like, how many kids do you have once you have children after a loss? It always was so hard for me because it's like, I don't know this person, they're a stranger. So part of me wants to just say like, two, you know, I have two boys, but then the other part of me is feels like I'm not honoring my daughters and their life. and. I'm like, do I say five, but then I have to explain that to our earth side and and it's a whole thing. But I think as you navigate grief and the years go on, you kind of learn what's comfortable for you. And the other thing I had to learn too, was like not to care about other people's feelings in this situation, because yeah, I would just try and say things just to make them comfortable. And that's not fair. We're navigating grief and loss. And I just got uncomfortable and upset. The fact that I'm trying to protect their feelings. And again, people, if you haven't experienced this, you know, everyone has, has good intentions, right? It's just, it seems like such an innocent question. Like how many children do you have? Is this your first or whatever? And I think what you said, and I need to continue actually now years later doing this is letting people know that I love talking about my girls and I find comfort in talking about our experiences too. And not everyone is that way, right? It's everyone has their own way of grieving and what feels comfortable to them. For the longest time, mine was situational. If you're someone at the grocery store, like I would just tell you whatever's easiest, you know, like, yep, first pregnancy or whatever. Um, If you're someone at work that I'm going to see often, I need you to know a little bit more because I'm going to see you and it has shaped who I am. So I think everyone just needs to find their comfort zone in that, but it's, it definitely happens all the time and it continues to happen. Like, ah, it's, it's honestly never ending. I mean, just recently, the other day, I lost my last daughter. Uh, It's been a, a little over a year and my neighbor who we didn't tell anyone. I lost my daughter at 20 weeks and we didn't tell our I mean, we told our good friends, our like neighbors immediately next to us, but we didn't tell everybody else. And just yesterday she stopped, we were taking a walk with our boys and we passed her and her husband on the street. And she was like, Oh, like, weren't you pregnant or didn't you have a baby? And I was like, so caught off guard because Obviously, there's no baby with us. It's been over a year. I didn't tell you like directly. I'm sure, I don't know if she saw me pregnant. I mean, again, I was 20 weeks. So I was, I mean, visibly pregnant, but not like full term or anything. And man, just when you think that that's over, it just kind of smacks you in the face sometimes. So yeah, I think just knowing that it's okay to feel uncomfortable and just take it with it. At this time around, I was just like, oh no, like you must have been mistaken kind of thing. Cause yeah. I just, I honestly, it was just the day I didn't have the energy to get, to get into it.
1: Right. And some days that's going to happen. And then other days it's like, okay, no, like, unfortunately we had a loss and, but we still love her just as much kind of thing and like talking about her and.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to end this with just talking about what kind of support have you found helpful through all of this after losing Leo and now being pregnant again, are there any sort of groups or people you've reached out to or anything that you found to support you throughout this journey?
1: I think the most thing that has helped us is being able to talk about it, being able to share our story, not dwell on it, not dwell on losing Leo, but living on with Leo with us. I got a necklace made out of some of his ashes. Um, My milk came in. So I got a milk ring made. So, Mm -hmm. I always have him with me. My husband got a different wedding band. It's the same stone I have on my necklace. And he has that as a wedding band now. It's engraved with Leo's name. So, we always have him with us, just being able to know that there's groups out there. So, I joined a bunch of like stillbirth groups on Mm -hmm. Facebook, and those can be a little overwhelming at times. So, a lot of times I'll just keep scrolling, but with different share groups that you can actually physically go to Mm -hmm. that, that helps. I went to one meeting, but I'm always reading what people share in the, in that Facebook group for the share group and being able to talk to family and friends about it, just having their support. The foundation has really helped us as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: To cope with it. I talk to them all the time. Yeah. I have a couple of songs that I have in a shuffled playlist that I listen to every day and I'll be thinking about him and like this song will pop up next on the playlist. And it's like, okay, you're with me. I know you're with me. We represent loved ones who have passed on with Cardinals. So anytime a Cardinal comes by, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, Leo's with us or, and that's really helped. And just being able to live in every moment in this pregnancy even though it's so nerve wracking, but having the support of the doctor. So if this happens to anybody else, make sure you have a great doctor that is standing behind you. Absolutely. Because without that support of that, the doctors, you're going to go crazy.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. The doctors can really shape and nurses, especially, right. They're the ones who are right there with you a lot of the way. And I can really shape an experience with my first loss. We, delivered at it, not the hospital we had intended to just because it was the closest and it was kind of an emergency. so but it was wildly different. Our experience at that hospital versus the doctors we had been used to and who knew us and where we had planned to go. So yeah, I think that's great advice of just like, you know, no one expects anything to happen, but having awesome care in your corner is is everything, if anything, for just like peace of mind too, a good bedside manner and supportive people. Is definitely important for sure.
1: Right. And with Leo having a cord accident, there is an um, umbilical cord accident group on Facebook, which I've learned a lot of information from that group. Whereas my doctor and the high risk doctor, like it won't happen again. It was a fluke kind of thing, right? but there's more study because there's not a lot of studies on hyper coiled cords. Okay. And there is a doctor out in California who is studying it more. He specializes in Court accidents. And then another doctor who specializes in the placenta, a lot of those moms in that group have reached out with their autopsy reports and everything to those doctors. And they kind of report out in the group of what they find. And then unfortunately with the hypercoiling, it has happened to a lot of these moms again. Oh, wow. So That is also in the back of my mind. Yeah. Whereas my doctor's like, oh no, it's not going to happen again. But it's like, well, no, there's more studies coming out. You just haven't heard it because it is not that common, right? But they're finding it possibly might be genetic and it's not a for sure thing, but that's kind of some of those studies that they're finding right now. So that's always in the back of my mind. So it's like, okay, well, making sure that we get that extra looking at for like the cord, like I had to ask the MFM to look at the cord again. And he's right. like, well, usually we don't look at the cord again or like listen to the, the blood flow and stuff again. Yeah. Because there's no growth. Like she's not small because we had asked, he listened to the cord blood flow and, but he was willing to do that. He didn't just shut us down and say, no.
0: Yeah. But you're so, so being, right. Advocating for yourself is yes so important. Like, oh my gosh. I, I, Obviously didn't know that either until everything that I went through. And for me, it was my incompetent cervix that I was like learning about. And after my oldest son was born, same thing. They were like, well, we don't typically check the cervix at this time. We don't. And I was like, well, no, nope, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to do that. And they were definitely willing to do that. But had I not, again, I joined these yes. Facebook groups too, and was learning a lot. Um, if had I not asked, they just would have gone about it. And I, I did need those extra checks. I mean, they helped save my son. So that's super important. Love that we can be so connected. Obviously like the internet and social media can be awesome. It can be terrible all at the same time, but um, I think if you're in the right place, it can be such a great spot for community and support and knowledge, right? Just people sharing their experiences, just like you're doing now today on this podcast, it can be so helpful to other people. And when you're navigating this stuff, and even if it is rare, there are so many people still out there that, that are going through this. So Absolutely. Those Facebook groups can be helpful if you're in the right ones. And if anything, like you said, they just navigate, you navigate advocating for yourself and presenting your doctor with these additional questions or concerns because your doctors, they can be the most supportive and knowledgeable doctors, but they all have their own kind of Lane and agenda as well. Right. They've got other patients, they've got this, they've got that. So trusting your gut and it never hurts to ask, right. Or bring something up and they could be like, yep, that is, that is great information. Thanks for sharing, but it doesn't apply to you. Everything's fine, you know, but at least you right. asked. So. It doesn't right. matter.
1: And just having that open communication with your doctors really helps. That's why it's so important. I know that like the doctor that you might have for delivery is not going to be your regular doctor, yeah. but if you can have a doctor that you are comfortable going to, you can have that open conversation with them. Luckily, that's how my regular doctor is. He will sit there and answer any of our questions. He will like, He just will like, he's not in a rush. Whereas some doctors, you feel like they're just in a rush to get to their next patient. Yes. I feel like luckily my doctor, he's very supportive. He's very open to listening to our anxiety and our Mm -hmm. questions and our concerns. And He's like awesome in that aspect. One doctor we experienced at the hospital, we will not see him at all mm-hmm. throughout any of this pregnancy. If he happens to deliver, he happens to deliver, but we will not schedule any appointments with him because he was kind of rude to us at the hospital. He, oh, wow. it, so I had Leo Saturday, Sunday, he was the next doctor and he's like, Oh, right. You're good to go. You're discharged. Like you can go. <laughs> We're like, no, we,
0: yeah, we we're doing like,
1: we through the weekend until Monday. He goes, "What do you mean you're not leaving?
0: Oh my gosh! I was like,
1: don't you see what we're going through right now? So finding those doctors that you really trust in, know are going to care for you is really important. So we know that we will not see that doctor at the practice yep. when my doctor's not available.
0: Yeah. And and knowing that that's okay. Right. And that's okay to say, you can say, no, I'm not going to see that doctor or not book an appointment with that doctor because I experienced the same thing. Done a few different things when it was with our fertility doctors, we ended up switching fertility doctors and we loved everyone in our OB practice. But then there were some doctors at the hospital. There was just one that we just, after our loss and after talking with him, when I was two centimeters dilated at 23 weeks pregnant, I know his job was to lay out our options, but we we I don't know. He just rubbed us the wrong way and how we listened to him. And he he wasn't very empathetic. I mean, my, I don't think my son would be here today if I had taken his advice. So finding those doctors that you trust and feel comfortable with and knowing that it's okay to request a different doctor or a different nurse, right. even because I I've encountered nurses too, where I'm just like, they're so insensitive. I'm like, did they not read my charter at all? Like, why are they Asking me these questions right now. And no one is perfect. That's true. But everything we said before is amplified when you're going through a loss or pregnancy after a loss. So finding the people that are going to support you best is definitely a great idea. And it's okay to do that. Absolutely. Well, Elena, I just really wanted to thank you for chatting with me on the podcast today. I know myself, I've learned so much and I've related to a lot of the things that you said. And my only hope is that everyone listening can find some support in you sharing your story and most importantly, help support the Loving Leo Joseph Foundation because I think it's such an awesome initiative that you're doing and it's impressive. So everyone can remember it is thelovingleojoseph.org. Okay. Like I said, I will link that in the show notes. So if you feel compelled to support their organization, please do so.
1: And our whole story is on our website as well. We also have a private Facebook group And then we have a public Facebook group, Loving Leo Joseph, that anybody can kind of view. Like I said, we love sharing our story. We love being able to support people. If anybody is feeling like they need somebody to talk to, our doors are always open.
0: That's perfect. And I'll link to the Facebook groups as well. So anyone who wants to connect can easily do that. Thank you again for being on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I mentioned, I actually recorded this with Elena. I think it was about two months ago. She's my very first interview for the podcast. So I had to give a current day update about her and her story. So it was just recently Leo's first heavenly birthday, but she also had given birth to a beautiful baby girl earlier this month as well, her rainbow baby. So I just had to mention that because For everyone listening to the story that has experienced miscarriage or stillbirth, many times there is a child that follows that. So I know it's really hard to have hope in all of the grief and sadness and medical struggles that happen along the way. But time and time again, I've heard stories of women going on to have babies after a loss. And for those who don't know, a rainbow baby is just something that they call a baby that you've had after loss. The thought is that it's the rainbow after the storm. I don't know if I love the term storm for like pregnancy loss or infant loss, but a rainbow is definitely beautiful. And is such a shining light after losing a child. So congratulations to Elena. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to hear her story. I hope you found it helpful and please do consider supporting the loving Leo Joseph foundation. It is such a great initiative. And as a mom who has experienced a stillbirth, these cuddle cots are so important in being able to cherish a few days with your child that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast now, but if you're new here, and I know some people like to skip around episodes, it's not really like one of those shows where you have to listen chronologically. I did want to mention our Facebook group. So we have the Motherhood Intended Community. It's a private group on Facebook that you can join. And in that group, it's full of like-minded women, all different kinds of moms, From all different locations coming together to support each other in their journey to motherhood and through it. They're women with kids, women with no kids. It's anyone who is trying to be a mom or is a mom currently. It's just a great place to support each other, to chat, to ask questions, to discuss episodes of the podcast. If you ever have any questions about any of the episodes or any questions for me, the community is a great place for that. So please go to the link in the show notes. If you'd like to join, you can also find it on Facebook under the motherhood intended community. Along with that, if you want to kind of follow along with my life and any other podcast updates that I don't share specifically in the group, you can find me at motherhood underscore intended on Instagram. So be sure to give a follow there. If this episode or any other episodes really resonated with you or somebody came to mind when you were listening to this episode, please share the podcast, send a friend a link, send whoever came to mind a link to this show, Our only goal is to help women not feel alone in all these different experiences and motherhood. So please share the show with them. And if you have thoughts on the podcast, I would love it if you would write a review. Reviews are so important for being visible on all the different podcast platforms. On Apple, you can give it a star rating. Write a review. On Spotify, I think it's just a rating. But either way, the more reviews we have the more it will pop up in search results. And again, the biggest goal is just to reach as many women as possible. The more people that listen to the show, the more we'll be able to produce and provide helpful content. And, you know, my goal is to just get some really interesting people on here to interview and continue to share my story because there's so many different experiences that women have through motherhood and lots and lots to talk about. So share the show. Please write a review. Give us a follow on Instagram join the Facebook group, so many options (laughs) to be involved in this motherhood intended podcast and community. We would love to have you. Lastly, if you feel moved to support the show at all, if you go to the Instagram account, and I will link it in the show notes as well, there's a link to support the podcast. Anything you feel like donating at any time, supports the production of this show. I am working on some really helpful resources and courses and support groups that are coming later this year. So anything that you can donate to the production of the show will help this be possible. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tune in on Monday and I will talk to you again soon.